Okay, so you updated uh, yesterday, you were saying, and that went well? I went, yes, I'm, I, well, <laughs> I mean, it went well, uh, other than the fact that, so we've got an iMac um, that is newer, and that was great, and then two MacBooks, one of which is just right below the line there. Doesn't, Mountain Lion will not work mm -hmm. on MacBooks. The other one um, will load Mountain Lion, but doesn't do airplay i guess you gotta hmm. be like 2011 for the airplay feature to work yeah i haven't tried it so i don't know i was a little bummed about that because you wait because you do you have an apple tv do you have a new an apple tv too i it's version two yeah see because we uh, my apple tv is the very very first one. Oh, okay so you're not doing airplay much at all. at all it doesn't work and doesn't exist on that one and so i you know because we need to in order for us to make use of an airplane or an uh, apple tv newer one we'd have to get a new tv we still have an old tv oh yeah that's that's yeah. it I sucks think. it's a limiting factor but we don't watch tv all that much yeah you have to have hdmi the tv we're watching right now i'll tell you what is the uh, olympics I know that's been great. Huh? What do you What do you think of how uh, NBC has done this? What do you think of the Are you Are you up on the NBC fail uh, thing here? Well, there are. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a big production, <laughs> and when I tune in, for the most part, I'm not complaining. You know, I'm I'm watching a few events and thinking, okay, whatever. And then I read the next day. You know, Brandy Chastain is is uh, having a Twitter fight fight with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first way you said it is probably right. With uh, it's a Twitter oh, fart, oh, right? And then, uh, <laughs> and then they cut out of the opening ceremonies for the seven minutes of tribute to the the fallen victims of a terrorist attack in London. Yeah, right. Because because it's too it, it's it's not targeted to the U.S. audience. That was yeah. the worst. And then, uh, oh, what else? There was some other things that. Somebody did a whole piece on the sap factor and how they've just cranked it up to a pretty schlick, pretty, pretty, what's the word? Um, <laughs> I don't know, to, 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 a to a level that's, what's the word? Schlocky? Schlock, yeah. Yeah. Sap. It is, it's sappy and schlocky. I mean, I, everyone likes to get, you know, that's, that's why you watch the Olympics is, you know, some kid had a paper route or something, you know, or yeah. like, had to like leave their family and move two states away and live with grandma just to train with so and so, or they hawked their house. Yeah, to yeah. Support it. And and you know those stories make the Olympics uh, a whole different sport than watching you know professional football. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's a, sort of like they've 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 been pulling out a few more stops than usual to to try to jerk your tears when somebody comes in second place. Yeah, you know, I I don't know that the the I actually don't mind my heartstrings being pulled intentionally in a in a space like this, right? Like I really don't mind, yeah. um, because uh, that's kind of why I tune in, right? You know, I want the chariots of fire experience when I tune into this. I want the agony of defeat. You know, they said that there was a line uh, used in last night's epic delayed uh broad rebroadcast. Uh, primetime rebroadcast where they 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 said you know about the u.s men's gymnastics team was uh he says they will discover why doing the expected could be the hardest thing ever Jeez. and i'm like nearly bawling at that point like i'm so into the the graphics and the and the thing and just swinging by and logos and then the the those dudes that are just tanks like how do they make their bodies do that i'm struggling to run three minutes in a row and and uh you know it's just like you're in it you're in the moment i like that i uh they're tanks what i said yeah they're tanks it's just yeah you look at them and think well i guess of course you're a gymnastics like that's your thing because right. that's your body right i what what is I don't know what, you, you know, the fact that that, you know, one of the trending topics beginning the Olympics was, you know, hashtag shut up Matt Lauer, I think is a is a sign that that just, you know, I, I don't know. What did you think of the opening ceremonies? I mean, just jumping into the opening ceremonies. How'd they hit you? It's been two days, three days. 
the very opening where where there's the sheep and the throwing the balls and the aprons and the that whole oh choreography. yeah ho- the the shire it would they were all hobbits it it's was pretty, the hobbits uh uh anyway i thought i thought it was you know if you if you can't nobody can beat beijing i don't think anyone ever will because you know that just required um hurting people i i think i think uh i think china destroyed opening ceremonies for the rest of us it'll and so i thought awesome england hires danny boyle yeah he gets creative i got i i did not like the sequence of like losing the cell phone and going through horrible horrible that was just craziness yeah um but Rowan Atkinson, uh, Chariots of Fire. I laughed the whole way through it. Thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect it, and you know, which is what's great is when you don't quite see that coming. Um, the James Bond thing. I thought they really, you know, and he and his uh, his film footage that kind of cut throughout it was amazing. His sort of going around London and going through the subways or coming up from overhead and a lot of different like film footage that he uh, had created. I thought. You know, really, like it was amazing. It had some really insane moments, like the inflatable baby and the, uh, I mean, entire the, the entire uh, um, homage to the national health system. I thought was an interesting thing for the Olympics, but um, whatever. You okay, know? there are two things that I think are fantastic about that. The first one is yes, the homage to the national health system that they put that that uh, you know Danny Boyle made such a big deal about that being such a major contribution, uh, you know, to the world, uh, big enough to put it in the <laughs> opening ceremonies. Uh, the fact that you know, I mean, we we think of James Bond movies as movies, and uh, I, I think his role. Uh, in the opening ceremonies illustrates that we don't quite understand the level to which J- the James Bond character is revered in Great Britain. Probably. Uh, and uh, and so that was fascinating. And and I think my favorite part was uh, was Tim Berners-Lee, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Um, and, and it was also the low of the entire event for me when Meredith Vieira, I mean, Meredith Vieira, Vieira turns around and says, "Oh, it's Tim Berners Lee, and he's typing and he's he's sending a tweet. Uh, don't know who he is. Google him." <laughs> it's not like she's, you know. I know she's not. Uh, she's not a dumb person, right? She's not dumb, but but saying things like that is play. That, that's playing dumb, and it's not cool anymore to do that. It's not funny. It's not cool. This guy is pretty important uh to the to you know without him um uh, arguably we wouldn't be having that opening ceremony event uh, uh without you know without the world wide web and and here's the guy who invented it he's pretty important get it right if you don't know and obviously they had to have had some had to have for known. every element of the show i would think and then you say that and then you just don't say anything yeah yeah i mean to, to just sort of blabber all over and sound ignorant and uh, and then just make it. And, and it he was, was, I mean, it was big. And, and, anyways, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that stuff, that stuff is so grand. I yeah. mean, those opening ceremonies are just, you know, you're trying to put, I remember when Salt Lake, it was like, you're trying to mix the pioneers with the rock band Kiss and um, kids skating with lights in their hands with uh, Willie Nelson and you know like it, it doesn't I mean it's really a tough thing to pull yeah. off yeah uh, and so it's easy to pick a few holes you know and say well that was pretty weird or that kind of went a little far you know whatever but it you know it showed a lot of style a lot of flair a ton of thought and it was really outside of a few moments where I just thought eh, I'll go yeah, well, that middle, fridge, just that middle section, bold, that know? middle section was a mess. And, uh, but otherwise it was beautiful. And they forged, I think they created some new iconic B-roll, Olympic B-roll, right? The, the, uh, the forging of the rings overhead, the, the raining fireworks of, in the Olympic rings, I think is good where that's going to be with us for, you know, the next two decades and, and beyond, um, 
and uh, and so that was cool. Some of the you know the uh, the uh, LCD seats and some of the effects they did with the uh, audience uh, was uh, fantastic. Um, you know, so there were there was some new iconic energy or, or iconic imagery added to the canon of of Olympic imagery that was cool. What was how was the uh, the the time delay hitting you? Like NBC's handling of of the actual broadcast because because they're getting a lot of credit and a lot of flack. Well, it's, I guess what I haven't done is, uh, you know, find the alternate channels where I assume you can watch live feeds and I haven't really worried about that because I'm pretty okay with the fact that they're showing, you know, primetime delayed footage, um, is that what you're talking about? Is just the fact that it's well, yeah, happening? You, you get your four hours of, you know, highlight reel, uh, footage in the evening. Yeah, which but, doesn't bother me at all. I mean, that's the way it was in Barcelona, right? I mean, I think it was pretty much the same thing. Well, it was very similar. The difference this year is that, um, you know, uh, this year Comcast owns NBC, yeah. right? And this year uh, Comca- or NBC is live streaming more footage than ever before, right? So if So if you want it, you can go and get... Any, I mean, if there is a what they what NBC has said is if there is a camera on it, it will be live streamed or broadcast. So uh, they are forecasting to to have broadcast over thirty five hundred hours of Olympic events uh, live streamed to the web uh, by the time this thing is over, which I think is that that's fantastic. Now, what does it take to actually see it? Um, you know that that's a little bit trickier so in order to see it you have to you know download an app you have to go to the NBC Olympics website and then log into the special site and what you have to have is a paid um, cable account that gets you where you are have paid up for you know certain NBC properties and if you can log in with with user credentials with your cable provider then you have access to this special. It's essentially YouTube. Um, YouTube is providing all the backbone for the for the streaming video. Uh, y- you access this this sort of gated community where you can see all the thirty five hundred, um, you know, streaming hours. Uh, and so, if you don't have a, if you don't, if you're a cord cutter, if you don't have a paid cable, uh, you know, account, you you can't see that stuff. Um. Yeah, that sucks. I got as far the other day. I, I went to the iPad and opened up Safari, you know, NBC Olympics. And the only page you get, the only page that they deliver you is click here to download the app. Yeah. So go to the app store just to see what kind of reviews it's getting. And it was getting just skewered. The app is terrible. Have you spent, did you spend any time with it? Oh, I didn't. I didn't download it. I just oh, thought, why bother? It's the, a the, mess. The really bad as as far as i can tell it's just an an you know it's a it's an embedded kind of html uh you know web page inside of an app and it's you know using the adobe uh framework uh developer and and it's just slow it's it's terrible it's not a native app and i i'm pretty sure they did that to get it out quickly and get it on uh, across you know m- multiple platforms at the same time and you know they are doing frequent updates. It seems like every time I open it, there's another update. But it it doesn't seem to matter. It's it's slow, and you know you spend a couple minutes with it just trying to get you know the metal updates, and and it doesn't make any sense. I and mean, so you you shut it off. So all of these sort of barriers, and you know, uh, creating, I don't know, create a few hoops um, of, um, I don't know, being a Comcast customer or whatever, or. Um, I don't get how that helps when, you know, you're putting all of this energy into live streaming and and people want access and people want, you've got essentially a brand here that you bought into the Olympic brand, you paid over a billion for or whatever. And then, you know, the cost to produce, um, and then you make it limited and restrictive and, and somewhat cumbersome. Uh, I don't know what point that serves when, and this is where I'm, I'm just sort of confused about how, media properties view these things. If I ter- turn on the TV and I'm watching it, say just the free local NBC broadcast, I'm watching commercials. I figure it's all paid for and they've got tons of sponsors and there are commercials and I'm forced to watch the commercials. Um, 
and and, and let's just say I don't really watch a lot of the commercials because I've got a DVR on my TV, so those get skipped. But when I'm watching them, uh, sort of on a, a forced live stream, I'm not. I don't have the ability to record those, so I have to watch the commercials. So you would think they'd even make a little bit more money on some of those, you know, exclusive live stream kind of um, experiences. So why restrict it? Well, right? I think I, mean, I if, think if I have able an idea just to play commercials yeah. through but, it, but like here's you do the... during prime time, and maybe they're not. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that was their decision. I just haven't watched them, so maybe there aren't commercial breaks and. And that's why they want you know people to have a, a subscription. I, I don't know. Just well, seems like to no. Me, here's the make here's it easy, the thing: get people in, get people hooked, get people loving the Olympics, and you know you've got sponsors and and uh, commercials, and people have to watch them. Here's the thing, though: that what up to sort of I think three days ago, uh, we learned that NBC, all of the NBC properties had sold uh, over a billion dollars in ads. Uh, and that was for uh, all of the all of their properties across all of their NBC, NBC Universal, NBC Sports, you know, broadcast properties. And of that, it, what have they sold for um, specifically for online advertising? Sixty million. So a billion in ads for the overall network, only sixty million for uh, online distribution. We have not reached that kind of inflection point where advertisers are saying, you know what, online ads like watching the ads in stream. Um, are as valuable as broadcast ads. So we're not going to pay as much for that. I have to question um, either the sales effort uh, or perhaps the application, how it's done, uh, how it's been thought through. Because I think there are times when an ad online has greater value, either because you can't skip past it or because it's so... um, you're able to be so targeted uh, to either you know the the program or the user or whatever. It's it's you're able to be more interactive. You can pull people into websites directly from watching it. I, I know what you're saying, and and you're right. I mean, obviously, we haven't gotten to the point that you know that it's it's reached a, a value, I guess that um, that comes anywhere near just traditional broadcast. But at the same time, I don't think that's you know. I don't think it's terribly logical what might be holding that back. Well, I don't know that logic enters into it. I think I think looking at the performance right now illustrates that logic perhaps has not entered entered into it. And right now, or maybe logic has, but logic has bumped its head on the hard ceiling of uh, you know the his, history of industry of this particular industry. And uh, and so until uh, you know, I, I get your I get your comment that you know we have to question the sales efforts. We have to question actually the ad packages likely from NBC ad sales. Like you know maybe they're just not packaging these in a in a way that facilitates these um, relationships, uh, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's related to Comcast not not wanting to you know give up. I mean, there's a lot we don't know. Um, but but I think what we can see more than anything right now, though, this is this is the point. What we can see now is that um, typically what happens in these sorts of convergence kind of events is the content comes and leads the way for the change. And this year, what is different, even if accessing it is you know absolutely uh, kind of ridiculous for most people. If if accessing it, you know, by people like me, it's ridiculous for me because I don't have a cable account, uh, so I have to find kind of loopholes, which do exist. Uh, but, but for, uh, you know, f- what has happened this year is we have more content being broadcast and streamed on the web than ever before, which makes me think that next time around, you know, let's, let's look at Rio, um, you know, Sochi first, and then Rio for the, for next summer Olympics in 2016. Um, I have to imagine that by then the change will have occurred. And that we will be, uh, you know, we'll be to a point where, um, you know, the broadcaster, uh, where NBC actually, you know, trusts us to get the value that they need us to get from the online ad experience. Well, and I go, I'll be going back to this until I find something better. But I go back to that Coachella um, live feed, which did the same thing. They used the YouTube backbone. So it was built on a YouTube platform, which was great. It wasn't buggy. It worked well. Um, it, It had high quality uh, it was logically done in terms of the times. There was a little bit of lag. I mean, not everything was directly live, but they they really did it well. And there were there's no barriers to getting there. Well, 
let's say next year uh, at Coachella, maybe they do charge. I don't know. Maybe they just get some advertising that they didn't get this time. I, I don't know what's, yeah. you know, what they're thinking. But how easy for them uh, to to then, if they're going to pull people into that channel, and let's say they have sold advertising, that would be a first, I think. But let's say they've done that, uh, and they sort of partner with that advertiser or that sponsor to, let's say you just go on Facebook, target your demographic, um, and then feed people into this site, which has no real restriction to getting into it. Um, but you feed people in to build that online audience. Obviously, this one's a little tricky because there's the ticket sales component, but we're talking about the Olympics. None of us are going to be flying to England anytime soon. So why not get people in front of that? And and again, so let's say, you know, you're, I don't know, let's say you sell bike helmets and it's the cycling event and you know, you, you decide to put a ton of money into advertising the online stream only, and you partner with NBC to advertise online before and during the event to pull live viewers in and build your audience and make it, you know, interactive on some level that, you know, just seems like why put that barrier? Why not make it as easy as possible to get eyeballs? And then, you know, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's more up to the sponsor's um, then I'm, I'm well, maybe I'm blaming NBC exclusively, but maybe the sponsors need to get creative and push a few of these things. And well, I, I think and, so. And I think and there's maybe, another piece you know, push of it. how it's executed. I, I think there's another piece of it, which is that, uh, you know, one of the things we haven't, <clears throat> haven't seen, uh, from the Olympics, which I think would be a, a really interesting, um, kind of a development is that we, you know, we see a, a, you know, we have the the physical attendee who can actually go to the Olympics and, and see them in London and can afford to pay the, the tickets there. Why, why haven't we seen any sort of virtual, uh, you know, ticketing offering with 3,500 hours streaming? It seems logical to start having packages that say, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of these six sports and I'd like to go ahead and buy a ticket for the duration of the Olympics to watch every single minute streamed on YouTube for 500 bucks for the two weeks uh, for those six sports and that's that's a package I want access to and I can log in and it'll show me my the sports that I have access to and I can add and remove sports from there and and now suddenly I am a I'm a virtual um, you know uh, virtual visitor to the Olympics and and get to see the the Olympic experience at the level that I want to invest in and maybe it cost me 300 bucks maybe it's 500 bucks you know whatever the the ticket to get in the gates at, at uh, in the Olympic Gardens like right now I think the only tickets left they were saying on on opening day were 2500 bucks and up um if you're able to airplay that you know to your big screen in your living room and able to get more than just a you know a matt lauer highlight reel yeah you know you're able to be pulled into the um the areas around like i mean you've just got more leeway if you're live streaming something you can go into the crowds you can go you know what i mean it, it doesn't have to necessarily be just the highlight of the event if this is really your event or let's say you're you're from London and you're stuck in America and you just want you know the you you want to feel like you're there. I want the pay-per-view experience for the Olympics and I want to be able to select what I see. And the the, the problem is the technology is there and the technology is proven to be there because they're doing it this year. I mean they're doing it in a way that makes, you know, that 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 frustrates me personally and I know frustrates a lot of people this having access to the cable, you know, uh to to a paid cable plan is is very frustrating. Uh but I would absolutely pay for for um, you know for certain sports to be able to see all of them. I mean, I we're a big swimming household, and I, I mean we would pay you know for direct access to you know all the pay per view swimming events when we want to see them live. Um, you and know. again, if you've done that, so in future Olympics, I would think we should expect to see this. But if you've done that, you've you've bought into say a swimming package. Having done that and maybe watching a mix of online or pay-per-view or whatever, um, I, I think maybe mostly live streaming, uh, maybe you get access to more interviews with parents and coaches and teachers and, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. more immersive. It's it's more, you know, it's not a diluted, um, uh, you know, mix of swimming, trying to package into four hours with gymnastics and a bunch of other things, right. but maybe they actually really you know, expand the experience for you, pull you into the lives of the swimmers from the other countries and, 
and tell you even more, like give, just give you more of the experience, more of the before and the after and, and the coaches talking to the, the athletes and you know what I mean? Totally. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that allows these content, the content provider, right? That allows NBC to create a different experience at home. And, and, um, you know, as long as they already have a, a camera on these events and we know they already have commentators on these events, um, you know, actually in, in some cases they don't, in some cases they're just, they just have the camera on the, on the event as far as I understand. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it gives us kind of the broadcast experience that we want. And, and for an event like this, it, the, the challenge is this, I think this is the problem that NBC paid $2.2 billion for the rights to do this, as far as I can gather. And they have sold a billion dollars in ad sales. And so they've got, um, you know, there's, there is a shortfall and they need to make that up. And they're hoping to make that up through continued, um, you know, sales through the course of the next 15 days. And, and, um, the problem is they own the rights to broadcast, but the world feels like they own the rights to the event, right? I mean, I, as a as an American citizen, feel like, you know, my emotional response is, my team is in Great Britain representing me. I deserve this. Yeah, that's the thing. And there's, there's really not any, I think, more political uh, organization or relationship that on the planet than the International Olympic Committee and then NBC and the combined brand protecting mm -hmm. and exclusivity, ticket sales. Um, you know, I, I mean, they clamp down like nobody's business. Uh, any use of the Olympic rings, for instance, um, they're on you. It doesn't matter if you're a little kid with a bake sale on the corner you're getting shut down right. if you're using any Olympic Well, brand. and this year, I believe it's, London 2012 you know, the, is actually uh, a restricted uh, fare. You can't say London 2012 together. You can't use that in your own advertising. Yeah. Did you see The Daily Show? He said, I can't, actually, I can't remember his description, but it was something like an international sporting event, a, a ring-based um, competition, some really laborious description that he had up there right. because he was just going to talk a little bit about the Olympics uh, opening ceremony. But, um, and I don't know if they, they had been restricted from referring to it, but, uh, but they're, boy, is it restrictive. I mean, absolutely. They're, they're protecting everything about it to just the highest degree of uh, trademark. And so it's, I don't know, maybe the Olympics won't be <laughs> on the forefront four years from now or even two years from now at the winter games, but boy, you'd like to see it happen. Like you said, you know, these are our athletes, you know, this is our national pride. This is something we feel like we should have access to, but, um, it's an, it's a, a horrible political machine that really runs the whole thing. That's the, yeah, that's the challenge right there. It's crazy. I so, was going to ask you, you know, come, I was going to ask you something thing? too. What's that? I was going to ask you something too. Let me just jump in quick. All right, do your thing first. Because <laughs> the whole thing about subscriptions versus, you know, sponsorship, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. And obviously there must be, uh, you know, some real revenue in getting people on uh, subscriptions. So I wonder, you know, we brought up HBO Go before and I feel like, hey, this is a great app and I love having access to all these movies. And you think these guys suck because I'm not an HBO subscriber and I can't get access to them. So it drives me crazy. I'm curious, would you pay the basic HBO subscription price to have access to their online content? Would that, would that be too much money for you? Would you pay something, some sort of subscription just for the online? What only? is the, wait a minute for H. Okay. So H what is the subscription price? Like, I don't know that there is a subscription price for HBO yeah, because you can only get it. I know. Call it 15. I, I, that's probably an average. Well, this is the, um, this is the problem though, because right. Say, because the price that you pay to add HBO as a premium channel, let's say it's 12 bucks a month, right. To your current cable bill is not the price that the cable company pays HBO for that edition. Right. right because right. the cable company pays, you know, much, much more than that to HBO and HBO, you can't subscribe directly because, you know, HBO, I think having run the numbers, so to speak, has discovered that taking individual subscriptions would not allow them to, you know, make up the shortfall that they would, you know, invariably lose when cable providers get mad. And, um, 
because right now HBO is paid based on every cable subscriber, not just cable subscribers who add HBO to their plan. Does that make, does that clear? Yeah. Right. They get a pimp fee. It's a weird world. Yeah. And so the question is, would I I pay? But the question is not would I pay $15? It's would I pay, you know, $45 or $50 a month, um, you know, for access to HBO? And the, the answer there is no. Um, yeah, uh, what not. I would pay for, yeah, though, and so, you know, what I would pay uh, for well, is something's got to give at some point. Right. I mean, the the a la carte question is is going to come up again. It it has to really. I know it flopped the last time around and there's some there are some powerful forces against a la carte uh, cable subscriptions. But I just think the demand is 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 going to grow every year for that. I, I think so too, and it's it, you know it's going to get pretty dark I think before it gets uh, before it gets better. Um, I I I really I I think the idea of paying per show is it, you know domestically I, I it works pretty well. Um, you know I love that I can I can go to iTunes and pay for my um, you know for access to uh, Game of Thrones. I deeply wish I could do it when it's actually broadcast, but I understand the relationships in place that make that, you know, uh, complicated for HBO and for cable providers. Conversely, Pete, and and yes, that is better. You know, all things considered, that's better. But is there also value to, hey, the whole season's available. I don't have to wait a week between episodes if, you know, if they built me up, you know, for the next one. I kind of, I can wait until the whole season's available and if I want to have a marathon one weekend, I can do that, and they'll all be new to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's I, I think that's the that's the the point. And in that respect, you know, I think we have Netflix and and uh, you know Hulu are going to be the uh, predominantly Netflix. I think are they're going to be the institutions that shake that up enough for for us to to see that that you end up with these TV shows that they're just going to dump onto the network and let me schedule it myself. Uh, when it's ready, I can watch it. Now, do you think Hulu's stock, I say with air quotes, goes up with Apple's AirPlay? Well, I I don't know because, uh, you know, just this morning uh, it was announced that Hulu Plus is available on uh, Apple TV. Oh, well, I need to write that down. Yeah. So now okay. it's a it's a new widget. And so the new that's a new one. I think that's a I think, you know, I think that's probably uh, in some part a response to Mountain Lion and, and AirPlay. You know what? I mean, if, if we let's go ahead and control that experience. And as long as, you know, if people are already, you know, signing up and, and making use of it, let's go ahead and just give them the whole banana. Um I, I don't I don't know what that I think mostly, you know, Hulu Plus is just seeing, you know, gosh, we, we want to be on every platform. And I think that's smart. It's it's important to be in the stream. And, um, you know, Apple TV, in, in spite of being Apple's hobby, is still a phenomenally successful product. So. But I was going to ask you, what are your favorite uh, what are your favorite spots that you've seen in in prime time, and and some that you feel don't quite hit the mark? Okay, my favorite so far, unless I'm forgetting something else, but my favorite I saw last night was an Old Spice commercial. Fantastic! The your your God, I loved the, every minute of the smelf. Oh, it was a minute every second. The smelf one. Which one? I I'm breaking up with uh, Heather. What's her name? Because I need space. This was the one where he's um, imagining himself to to be all these like you can just imagine it and do it and and one yeah. of them was like you can compete in any sport and it's the Olympics but he's he's the horse and he's got a jockey riding <laughs> yes. his back and he beats all the other horses in a horse race. That was just one little clip. Like it's some guy with a little bit of a a, a, a cornrow kind of a hairdo, and. Um, Anyway, it was just abstract and surreal and just hilarious. It was hilarious. Be anything or whatever. I you, you can even change your deodorant. Yeah, you can have confidence. I can't remember what the tagline, but it was like you you can have confidence in your smell or something like that. S M E L F. Smelf. Uh huh. It was it was brilliant. Kennedy still right? Uh yeah yeah I'm pretty sure it is yeah I I um. Uh, I I liked the uh, the Visa Burj Khalifa dive. I don't recall that. One. Oh, it's uh, David uh, Boo. 
uh, what's his name? David Boudia. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. David Boudia dives off the Burj Khalifa in this in this TV ad, and it starts with him as this kind of long ghost protocol pan around him standing on top of the Burj Khalifa, and then he dives off into the um, into the pool, and it's something uh, you know. Um, David Boudia will have done so many dives that it will be the equivalent of diving off the Burj Khalifa 180 times. And then as soon as he hits the water, it, it cuts to underneath the water and 180 David Boudias dive into the water at different sort of planes. And it's, it's quite beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful ad. Um, what do you, what, what do you think about the, uh, we were talking about uh, mountain lion earlier. What do you think of the new Apple ads? Oh, I don't like them. Yeah, I think they're dumb. I think they're bad. I, I don't think Jobs ever would have okayed those ones. That's just an opinion that I'm speculating on. Who knows? But yeah, um, There was a really interesting piece this morning uh, that I'll post on Facebook that um, uh, from the former uh, ad uh, Chiate ad director commenting on just how bad these ads are. And he actually had that comment. He said, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, Steve would or would not have done this. Steve was capable of you know, major gaffes in his perception of public opinion. And by and large, he got pretty good at it, but he was capable of doing things that were pretty dumb. It's hard to say whether or not he would have, you know, okayed these ads. But in general, he said they're really terrible. And uh, um, God, they're terrible on a, on a number of levels, I think. I, I don't like them at all. I, I mean, I I think they took the obvious thing, which is to say, uh, our stores are now so ubiquitous and our employees, you know, uniformed. And so we can put in an ad and if you don't even have the volume up, you know what, um, you know, that we're essentially trying to say that our service is great and our employees are great and we're connecting you to our product that way. But I, I, I get nothing out of it. I don't feel a brand. I don't feel inspired. And I think most of the time those commercials have run, I've just had the volume down and hadn't had any... Or like, I just, I would have had to like, I don't know, quiet the room to watch it or to pay attention or I had no desire to. I just don't see anything about it. I, I'm i disappointed. I don't like them at all. Uh, yeah, I am too. I, I think, you know, I, I think the the message is interesting because, you know, I yeah, I think it's about staff. I think it's in particular, it's about the genius relationship, right? It's about the, the you know, what those geniuses are. And, you know, at the core of the message, what we're seeing is... Um, you know, Apple saying, look, unless you already own a Mac, you don't you may not know that this genius thing exists. Right. If you've never been in a store, you don't know about the genius. So we're going to use these ads to to introduce you to this friendly genius. And we're going to introduce him to you with the crazy, you know, dad who's expecting a baby, who's having a baby that night. And we're going to do it on the airplane, which is, you know, but but at what cost? And And I think the cost is. They have made the Apple product uh, something that simpletons use. Yeah, and you know, it's. I, I almost think it's sort of like. Um, I think they started heading in this direction by focusing so much on Surrey, and I thought the logic of the Surrey ads for iPhone 4s was, we're not necessarily trying to get people who don't own, own an iPhone. Um, to buy one. We're trying to get people who have an, an older model to upgrade. And the one feature that we can really set apart here is Surrey, because you don't have that if the, if you have the 4, you, you got to get the 4S for it. And it's so cool that, you know, that's what it's about. But what what happened there to some degree, and I think with these even more so, is it's they've kind of gone away from that um, sort of a little bit more, in, like these are inspirational products. And if you put your mind to it, you can use them. I mean, Surrey, I guess, was kind of like that. Like you've got people using Surrey for things that are just like, wow, you have to be really creative to think of those things. Or, you know, you might not think that that's something you can do. And and that is kind of the, the beauty of Surrey, I guess. But um, but they do that a lot with the iPad ads that you can do this and you can do this and look what you can do and look how smart your kids will be. And you have access to the world in this beautiful way. And then those kind of just leave you with, with a feeling that I'm sort of used to getting, I guess, from Apple ads. And I, I know that they don't have to do the exact, I mean, doing the same ad with the same feeling and the same sort of deal over and over again, it, they got to switch it up a bit, but I just don't get any real brand feeling. Uh, these, these just feel like a step back for me. And these aren't cheap spots to be buying. I mean, this is the Olympics. I mm -hmm. just, I don't know, not getting it. 
I I'm with you on that. I think it's it's sad. And and what they don't do, and maybe it's I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen commercials, for instance, for the new operating system. And maybe that's just not really that big of a deal. Well, that's interesting. It's been three I, days and they're already uh, saying, you know, Apple released news uh, yesterday morning saying that we've already in, in three days, we've already seen three million people upgrade. And I think that's a testament to, you know, just how solid an upgrade it is. I've just not heard complaints. Well, I wait. What I usually do with one of these is I just I, I wait a little bit. I, I look online, whatever. And, and it's not so much that I care for myself. It's that my wife, you know, spent, I mean, it's her lifeblood. She's on the iMac. It's her, you know, all day long, it's intense. And she's not necessarily in office. She's directing people all over the, the world, more or less. But um, And if she's, if something goes amiss, cable connections out, or she can't get her email, or but these become big problems because I'm the IT guy. Yeah. And uh and it becomes very stressful when an upgrade goes wrong. Um, there are it, it just can be a bad thing. So um, I yeah, I looked and I poked and I thought, well, I'm going to I'm going to load it on another machine first, see, you know, what is weird or what's hard to get used to or and I was like, you know, I don't see anything. Let's there's let's just jump on and she was having some buggy issues um uh, some slowdowns anyways, um, yesterday, and I was trying to fix a few things. So I thought, let's just do it. And I, I just don't see it. I, it, it's so smooth to upgrade. It's so smooth. I mean, I think it's crazy that you have a new operating system and your old windows pop up that were your windows that were open while you were down, downloading yeah. and upgrading this new operating system, like so application is, windows. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Like, it used to be, I remember when Windows XP came out, and I took the day off of work because I'm that level of, like, nerd. Like, I took a vacation day because I knew I was going to have to back up and wipe my computer and install, do a clean install. I never did an upgrade. And and that is how it's always been. You know, when I switched to, to you know, Mac, it's the same thing. When I, This update took 20 minutes, cost me 20 bucks, took 20 minutes, and I didn't even have to sit here. It wasn't very much fun. And that I find really sort of sad. I... <laughs> Like, there wasn't anything, like, it just, everything works, works a little bit faster, a little bit smoother, uh, and a little bit more polished. They got rid of some things that were kind of annoying. I love the new notification center. I love that Safari now has the unified uh, search and your address bar. Uh, I love that notes and reminders have been... Top right. Yeah, yeah, notifications. Center, love that. Uh, I I love that uh, notes and reminders have been separated out from iCal and and um, I like messages a lot. I, I mean, they're just little kind of things that have been sort of variations on a theme for a long time, and and uh, in this case, I think work really really well. And it was it was almost too easy to be satisfying. And if it gets that much closer to the iCloud really being, I mean, I I had very few complaints with. Um, mobile me and uh my iDisc and you know it sort of worked it, if i go back a couple of years maybe there were a few buggy things for some reason with my wife though i don't know if it was just set up differently or what she just or she didn't use it often enough or she had glitches and things earlier on they got smoother but this iCloud conversion has been mostly problem free it's been completely problem free for me um but if yeah if, if the applications and the operating system now just make it that much easier for this, um, uh, I don't know, um, various desks, desktops, plus your iPhone, plus your iPad, and, and to use the Apple products that way. And obviously, you know, we have other products that that's great with as well. But if it takes us that much closer to, to really being, having that all be smooth and, and, and be the kind of thing you want to use, which I think was pulling notes and reminders out like you're talking about. I didn't really use those that much, but I'd love to. And now I'm feeling like, okay, I can sort of see uh, myself putting that to use instead of like sending myself emails all the time with a note, you know, yeah, or setting up a calendar event to remember something. So anyway, I, I look forward to, to kind of um, 
pushing forward a little bit with with the way those are supposed to work together and um and i just have not seen any glitches or bugs and i haven't yeah. read about any so I, you on, know on that front it's great i am a little upset that um the computer i'll be using mountain lion on won't have the airplay functionality but i'm sure i'll get over that and then uh the other thing is i wanted to ask you have you used uh, the new dictation feature yeah it's fantastic uh, Am I missing something that when I speak into this thing, I'm not able to sort of real time see what's being written? I have to stop, click done, then see it, then speak again? Yes, no, that's true. It It is not like, so that that's a, a great point. It's exactly like Siri uh, on the iPhone. So what's happening here, and that's why when you first turn the feature on, like if you do an upgrade, the feature is not on by default. It, it actually... Like Siri Canada and Siri uh, England. It's Siri. Siri, yeah, you were talking about it like it's Suri, like uh, Tom Cruise's daughter and Katie's daughter. Siri, Suri, Suri is not on your phone or or anywhere. It's it's Siri. So uh, Siri is it, the way it works is you you know it it says we need access and we're going to be sending this. You're going to record a little audio file and we're going to be uploading it to Apple servers to uh, analyze it and, and then we're sending the text back to you. And we've gotten so good at that that we're going to do it really fast so it'll look like. It's uh, happening locally on your machine, but if you don't have an internet, uh, you know, if you don't have internet access, the dictation feature won't work, uh, as far as I understand. And you know, I haven't tested that on the phone, but or on the computer, but that is absolutely the case on the phone. If you are out of range, dictation doesn't work, and I believe the same thing is going on um, on. Uh, that makes sense. Whereas Dragon Speak still a three hundred dollar program right to get the the full version yeah i think it's it's come down um but but it's dragon that essentially is uh, the the nuance uh, the company is nuance uh, that's behind Gra dragon and it's their engine that apple is using to do this dictation so it's you're essentially getting that same kind of industrial strength uh dictation in apple's dictation feature you're just not getting that real-time thing so in that case in in that sense if you're a dragon user you may you know want to keep it around I, um, you know, I have Dragon and I use it uh, extensively, you know, when it comes time to teach and I'm, I'm grading papers and doing my comments, uh, you know, in papers. Uh, and I'm going to try it using Apple's dictation. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I like it because it's less system intensive, you know, and, and sometimes after, you know, two hours of grading and doing a heavy dictation, I find the system gets a little, you know, sluggish. And so far using dictation apple's dictation has been quick but you have to you have to speak in sort of shorter bursts i've never i mean have you run into the kind of the limit of how long you can speak before it shuts you off no i just tested it last night a little bit and i was i, I was only going about three sentences at a time yeah so well it'll be interesting to see kind of how it, it fits in I'm, I'm interested to see how it fits in ends up fitting into my workflow if i end up you know having dragon start uh, launch again at startup but so far i've got it shut off and and uh, why exactly do you think that they have opted to have it work this way so that it's centralized it's sending it and then to them and it's sending it back to you do you think it's that's good because it reduces the the um computing power needs, I guess, and the size of the operating system? Or do you think that it maybe was a licensing thing that it made it cheaper for them to release a $20 operating system that way? I honestly don't think it's either. Uh, I think those are sort of collateral benefits. Um, but I honestly think that they, that voice, uh, that Apple understands that voice is the future. And if they're going to, um, you know, if they're going to really be a serious player in voice and voice navigation and, and, uh, um, you know, sort of uh, running computer devices uh, of the future with your voice, they need to collect a lot of data. And every time you send a voice snippet up to the cloud, uh, what you're giving Apple is the ability to analyze your unique voice tone and put it into their kind of the Borg uh, voice um you know, voice system and it gets, and so it gets better. And that's one of the things I've noticed with Siri, uh, the dictation on Siri and using actual, uh, using Siri to, to, uh, uh, you know, for basic functions on my phone is that, you know, the first week there were things that I would throw it that were where it wouldn't, it wouldn't catch me. And now I can run those same commands and Siri, uh, Siri understands me better. It understands kind of the nuance of my speech more clearly. And, and I think that's a function of Apple, um, really putting the resources into 
improving iteratively every day and not just every time a major software update comes out. This gives them the ability to apply change and update in the cloud in real time, um, more or less real time, and not have to wait for me to adopt a new operating system. Right, or or get uh, software updates. Also, yeah. I would imagine if they're as smart as I think they are, and I think they are, um, they would probably be monitoring regional dialects yeah. um, as they're being sent. So they're probably geobasing, I would assume, some of the, you know, the the voice decoding. And so as you correct a word, and you, you know, I assume this all just sort of happens automatically. But you know, if I'm if I'm living in Alabama versus New York versus, you know, Salt Lake or, or someplace in Canada, would you think that um, they'd maybe take that into account when certain words are spoken and, and they expect to, to have it, you know, printed correctly or Absolutely. the spelling is correct or whatever? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, so I think, uh, you know, I think this is, uh, I think it's a really smart way to implement uh, dictation. And and I think f- one of the things that Apple is testing and I think believes is that it, when using dictation, when sort of adopting dictation as kind of a lifestyle, you know, computing lifestyle, people generally are not dictating, um, you know, book length uh missives with their voice in one stretch and i think you know having this little you know generally when you're doing it you're responding to a quick email you're saying you know yeah i can make it to that meeting and then you're done uh and and um, those kinds of everyday snippets are perfect for this style of implementation of of voice dictation i think it's gonna i think it's gonna pay off well well yeah i i I need to use it a little bit more i'm excited because i did buy dragon uh the app center version mm-hmm. it's less expensive and works only you know like you kind of have to use it as a notepad i guess to speak into it then copy and paste uh this works i believe in in every program right yeah anywhere you can type anywhere you can type yeah so that will mean as i haven't tested this yet but let's say i'm in safari and i'm using um uh uh like a CM interface uh, that would work there, right? Exactly. Okay. So, hey, that was the the last thing I wanted to ask you uh, is what you think about the changes to the App Store and distributing software in the App Store. Are you uh, up with what Mountain Lion did with Gatekeeper? And and this is by extension what Microsoft is doing with the Windows 8 uh, software store. I got this right. I tried to update Handbrake last night. Handbrake is not sold through the uh, App Center and also has not been verified by Apple. Like they haven't applied to be valid. And Handbrake, I'm sure, never will. But I, of course, trust Handbrake. So I I find that really funny. (laughs) I mean, I do too. Didn't work a couple of times. And and I, because they had written it funky. I, I don't know. I just wasn't paying attention. There's an easy override that you can get a program loaded. But yeah, they were stopping me and trying to make me feel like, dude, seriously, your life is in danger if you download this program. Well, so what, what Gatekeeper does is it's essentially a, um, you know, it's a system level uh, option, a preference that you, that is set, I believe, by default that says, you know, if you you can only install apps from uh, the the Apple, you know, so the Mac App Store. And uh, I'm actually I'm opening up my security settings here to see uh, what the actual language is. Uh, let's see, why don't, where is it even? Oh, Mac App Store. Okay, so allowed applications downloaded from the Mac App Store only. Mac App Store and identified developers or anywhere. Now, anywhere is the most you know, kind of wide open. You can download and install anywhere. It's in the general options of your security and privacy preference in system preferences. Mac App Store and identified developers adds an extra layer of security that says, you know, if it's from the Mac App Store, it'll install. And if the developer has a is if it's a signed developer authority, uh, then it will install on your machine. So you can buy it outside the App Store, but the developer will have to have had a relationship with Apple and have a, a signed certificate accordingly. Or you can set this third level, which says you're not going to allow any software installed on this computer unless it comes from the Mac App Store. 
And even developers who have their signed security certificate will not be able to install on your machine unless it comes from the Mac App Store. And there are some limitations to apps that are sold through the App Store that that can't have access to certain system level uh, you know, tools that these applications need to run. And the one that, that there are a couple that come to mind. One of them just left the app store, a post box. It's an email client that says, you know, we needed access to, you know, the level of the operating system that Apple wouldn't give us in order to stay in the app store. So we're pulling from the app store. If you want to buy our, our product, you have to buy it from our website and we won't be available in the app store. The other one that I use uh, pretty religiously and, uh, is, kind of the basis of my comment here is um, uh, text expander. Are you a text expander user? No. God, it's a it's a fantastic uh, application that allows you to create snippets of text. And so you end up typing in a little code, uh, you know, anywhere you can type. Let's say I have, you know, a, a paragraph of comments that I leave on a particular uh you know, paper as a response to something I'm grading in, in the classroom. And I type in, you know, uh, CCMNT for, you know, comment. That's the code that I leave for comment. And what, as soon as I type that in, it goes bloop. And suddenly that CCMNT is changed to the full paragraph of text that I type repeatedly, saving me a couple of minutes that it would take to manually type that out. And so it's a great little app that runs in the system and anywhere you can type, if there's text that you can copy uh, or that you type frequently, you can just have these little codes, whether it's an email signature, whether it's an address, whether whatever it is that you type frequently, you can create these little snippets. I, I use it for code. If I'm, you know, working, you know, in a particular coding project, I have code snippets in there that I can type very quickly. So it's great. Um, so I'm just curious, where did you find the settings for the apps. Center. Oh, go into security, go into system preferences and then security and privacy and yeah. then general. And it's the, it's the bottom half and it's kind of grayed out unless you click the padlock. Right. I didn't upgrade this system yet. Oh, Sorry. that would be, that would be why. Figure something out that okay. isn't on here. Okay. That's so, why I didn't see it. So well, anyhow, here's one comment about it, Pete. Well, now I'm not I, done yet. I'm not done. Then you gotta, done. you gotta let me finish. Okay. So be done. Right. So, <laughs> so here's the thing though. Text Expander just came out uh, with a from Smile Software just came out with version four, and as a result of the changes with the Mac App Store, they are not. I've been using version three. Text Expander version four is not available in the Mac App Store, and I find it interesting as I sort of step outside my body that I'm not upgrading because I'm not buying stuff that doesn't come from the Mac App Store anymore. I'm just, and it's not because I'm, I care particularly about the system level issues that developers are going through. I understand there is pain there, but the convenience of the Mac App Store is too great for me to be. And when I up, when I updated these systems, when I got, I got my new MacBook Air a couple of weeks ago, and when I turned it on and went to the App Store and downloaded all my applications and didn't have to think about software serial numbers or anything like that, I, I realized I have have changed. My behavior has changed. And I'm simply not buying apps that don't come from the App Store. In some cases, I'm buying apps again, because they're in the Mac App Store, and it's so convenient. Uh, and so, you know, I, I Marco Arment uh, from uh, Instapaper fame, I, one of my very favorite apps, uh, wrote this post saying he's given up on the App Store. And he thinks a lot of great developers are giving up on the App Store because, um, uh, you know, because of these you know, the hyper control that Apple has exerted here uh, regarding this, you know, having these sandboxed uh, apps. And he says, you know, I'm not, I, I can, I, I'm not buying apps that I can't buy outside of the app store anymore. Or, um, uh, well, that's, that's, I'm, I'm restating his argument with a sledgehammer. That's not exactly what he said, but his, it was bearish on the app store that he has lost trust and faith in the app store. And, I absolutely disagree, uh, and I, I, you know, I hope that, um, uh, boy, I, at least in my own behavior, I'm finding I'm I'm just not interested in software that doesn't come from the App Store anymore. Well, okay, so I'm glad that you uh, you asked to finish there because because um, uh, that's what I hoped you would say. I, I, all I was going to say is is really that uh, you know, so I ran into one little problem last night with with uh, uh, a um, handbrake, but you know, that's a free one anyways. Um, and there was an easy way to just temporarily just, okay, I'm going to allow this one, even though, but back to what you were saying, I, I, I completely agree. And that, and it was particularly true with the latest, um, you know, updating the, uh, 
operating system yesterday, and I'm just I'm able to go into the App Center, look at all of the apps that I've purchased. Uh, they're updating all the time, easy updates. Uh, they work on multiple computers. I don't have to buy one for each. Um, and things like uh, iWork are broken out, so I don't have to buy the entire package, even though I do anyways. But the price is great, and and uh, the updates are are, are fairly um, consistent. Uh, I, I agree with you. I feel completely secure buying from the App Center. It's very convenient. I don't have to pull out a credit card or trust, you know, somebody's security, like um, payment security, or, or set up an account somewhere. It's the most convenient thing. Um, and I would love to see every app available through the App Center. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great way to go. And I think you know if Apple has to do this to, I mean maybe like you said, there's going to be there's sort of some fits and starts, some people who who uh, for whatever reason don't want to be controlled or, or or play along or whatever, and so they choose not to. I think it's in their best interest. Uh, to get over that and and figure out how this can work for them, because once you have downloaded anywhere you know from five to twenty apps through this um, service, uh, you're pretty you're pretty easily hooked. Yeah, I you know it's and I think that's an important distinction. Like there are apps that you know like Handbrake that provide a single purpose, and that I recognize that purpose and function exists outside of the App Store guidelines. And that's one that I, you know, I, that's one example of an app that I you know keep running, even though it didn't come from the App Store, because there is no App Store corollary to what Handbrake does for me. Uh, and so I, I keep that running. But if I'm thinking to myself, I need to add a function to my computer, or I have a process that I need to add to my system, um, the first place I go is no longer sort of Google and reviews. It's the App Store. And uh, and so I'm not even going to, just ba based on my changing behavior, I'm not even going to see apps that don't come from uh, that aren't in the app store, uh, in, you know, by and large anymore. And I think that's a that's important. When I'm looking at new apps and new functionality, I'm not going to see it um, if it's not if it's not there. And that's one of the things. By the way, yesterday I was telling you I was trying to debug um, uh, a slowdown on my wife's system yesterday, and and there are some old um, there are a couple old programs that you know were a couple of operating systems ago or whatever that. I never used, and I was just trying to clean things up and make sure there's not something that somehow has an incompatibility that I'm not aware of, or you know what I mean. There, there might be something out there. Um, I think the slowness, just you know, FYI, was primarily um, needing a RAM upgrade, which is coming. Um, but otherwise, there were a couple of things I tried to clean up, and that was one of my deciding factors. I want I. I mean, I just feel very confident that if it was bought in the App Store, um, there's a, a certain level of, of uh, support and, um, uh, you know, a likelihood that um, there'll be compatibility with operating system updates and um, that these aren't uh, sort of squirrely apps that, you know, some kid in his garage isn't supporting anymore or whatever. Um, so I did delete a few uh, things, um, some larger than others, but you know, there's just some stuff in there that, and, and some of them were really small programs that did a single thing and I haven't used them for a while, but they, I didn't get them from the app store and I just deleted them. I don't care mm -hmm. to have them around. Um, and as you go through these operating system updates, you know, you've got these sort of old, you know, old small programs in there. Just, I'm with you. If it's not in the app store, it, it's a very easy decision for me just to get rid of it and not worry about updating it anymore. And and so you know it gets back to I feel the pain, I get it, and uh, you know as a, if you're a, you know for developers I absolutely feel it, and it it's hard because uh, you know I'm I I'm typically very much on the side of the cause of developers, and I think developers are sort of the modern Rembrandts, and and uh, you know they do incredible things, and in this case, I my behavior has changed dramatically in a very short period. Uh, and that surprised me. I'm just looking through here at what I have bought through the App Store. Um, I mean, some of them I just, they were cheap and I thought maybe I'd use them. Um, but yeah, this is, it's very interesting, actually. I, it's, it's, uh, 
I, I absolutely feel that way. I mean, I, I, I got that little warning again, so it's a little annoying that once, but I'm so, and that was the first I'd, you know, really sort of processed, okay, this, this is, they've gotten serious here about, um, you know, trying to, you know, push more developers into the app store. Well, I'd love to see it. I, I'd love to see, you know, 90% plus of, of all apps available that way and feeling like, you know, that same sort of, um, you know, it's going to plan all my computers and, you know, whatever, like that, that, that I just have a level of trust. It's a level of convenience. And, uh, it's annoying to me when there's something that I want, uh, and it's not available there. Yeah. I'd, I'd much prefer to use that for, for almost all my software purchases. Absolutely would. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we got that one sorted out. Interesting. I think that's all we got. So, I think, uh, what, what do you have? Do you have something else? No. I think we're good. Yeah. If if uh, if we had more time, you know, a, a friend of the show we had on a few weeks ago, Devon, he's got a big event uh, coming up this weekend um, with superheroes in Park City. And uh, I didn't think until we were in the middle of the show that it might be fun to call him and, and talk about his preparation for that thing. But uh, maybe we can do that on the next show. All right. Let's uh, let's put that on the list. It's on the list. Okay. Right. Hey, good talking to you. You too. Go see if you can uh, win a race or something today. That'd be good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Try. Okay. Bye. Bye.